Welcome to The Light Within, a podcast for anyone seeking to rewrite their life, live in their light, and align with their soul's highest purpose. I'm Leslie Draffin. Join me as we explore spirituality, sexuality, wellness, and the magical world around us. Hello, beautiful beings, and thank you so much for joining me for this episode of The Light Within. Today, we're talking about yin yoga. Now, I discovered yin yoga during the pandemic, along with restorative yoga, and I have to say these two have become my favorite forms of yoga. Now, earlier in the show, I interviewed a yoga teacher and I remember telling her, I don't really like yoga at all. And I think that was because when I first started taking classes, they were more the flow and posture classes. And I would find myself comparing myself to other people. You know, if I couldn't hold a pose for as long, if I was losing my balance, or if I just wasn't as flexible as the person next to me. With yin yoga and with restorative yoga, what I love about it is you're usually there with your eyes closed, maybe you have a sleep mask on, and you really are forced to be in your body. Now, with how much stress and burnout I personally have experienced during the pandemic, doing these types of yoga really forced me to feel my feelings, be in my body, and not focus on all the other things I needed to do for the day. So I was so thrilled when today's guest, Munira Razak, reached out to me to talk about yin yoga and how it has helped her in her healing journey. Now, Munira and I met through the Rose Gold Goddesses membership by Sahara Rose, and we talked a lot online before we actually got to this episode to record it. Munira told me all about how yin yoga actually helped her heal an autoimmune disease, and she talks a lot about that in this episode as well. We also speak about what yin yoga is, what makes it different from other types of yoga, what you might experience in a yin yoga class. She speaks about yin as an embodiment practice, how it can help with anxiety, and the mindset shifts that can really come from practicing yin. And I love the way Munira puts this. She says, yin yoga is the practice of being still. And we really just all need that right now, I think, more than ever before. So here's a little more about Munira. Born in Singapore and currently based in Germany, Munira is a public relations specialist turned yoga teacher and ceremonial cacao guide. Her favorite styles to teach are yin, restorative, and hatha yoga. With her private clients and group classes, Munira combines a mix of yoga, breathwork, meditation, and cacao to guide them to connect with their mind, body, heart, and soul so as to ultimately embody the qualities of gratitude, abundance, and relaxation. Munira is such a light. You are going to hear that in her voice as she speaks to us from half a world away, at least half a world away from where I am in Texas. So please join me in welcoming Munira Razak to the Light Within podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you. I'm so, so excited to be here. Thanks, Leslie. I'm excited too. The first question I love to ask all of my guests is what ignites your light within? I love this question. When I think of light, I think of my soul essence. And for me, this is when I'm connected with source. And this happens when I'm really deep in meditation. That's when I feel like my skin is lighting up. It just feels so connected with the energy around me. And I'm actually feeling it right now. So <laughs> thank you for asking this question. And then 
I also think of light as in my passion, my my light within this fire that burns in me. And that happens when I'm speaking about topics like this, spirituality, yoga, um, dharma, our purpose, um, also my business. I'm excited about that. So that ignites my light within. I love that. So talk a little bit about, you know, who you are, your business, and what you feel like your dharma is in this life. So my name is Munira. Um, it is Arabic for illuminating, glowing, luminous. So this is um, why my business is the name that it is. It's Luminous Yoga Life. So I wanted it to be part of my name, and that's why it's there. I'm a yoga teacher. Uh, I predominantly teach yin yoga, restorative yoga, as well as hatha yoga. I love teaching these three styles of yoga. I'm also a ceremonial cacao guide. So I use ceremonial cacao as a plant medicine to guide um, my clients deep within their heart space to connect within themselves. And I kind of hold circles um, around full moons, around yeah, using ceremonial cacao to be part of it. Yeah. Um, another thing you should know about me, I grew up in Singapore. I moved to Germany a couple of years ago, and that really actually shifted a lot for me, moving to a country where I couldn't speak the language and I had to learn everything from scratch. So that also changed um, how I practice yoga. Mm. And my dharma, <laughs> my dharma, I feel like my dharma is to invite people back into being in their bodies to read the, the signals that their bodies are sending them all the time to understand themselves on a deeper level and i use yoga and cacao to guide them to understand this about themselves hmm. i love that when did you start practicing yoga um i started practicing yoga about eight to ten years ago i can't really say when it was exactly but I used to work uh, in a corporate in the corporate world. I used to be a public relations consultant. So I used to have like this nine to five job, nine to six, nine to seven, like really long hours and, you know, desk bound. So to me, yoga was a practice of like keeping fit, looking good, um, feeling good as well. So it was predominantly a practice of yoga asana, asana meaning posture or the poses. So um, yoga for me was going to the yoga studio, practicing in a hot room like 40 degrees, which is 105 Fahrenheit. So practicing the hot studios, feeling sweaty, you know, burning all the calories and doing all the vinyasa flows. That's how I got started in it. But as I mentioned before, I moved to Germany and I couldn't find any studios here that spoke English or had English classes. So um, I had to change my practice. I had to look up online and start looking on, you know, YouTube, checking out what's there. And then I also got a, um, I also got a bunch of autoimmune immune illnesses when I moved to Germany. So mm. I think it was related perhaps to the feeling of being ungrounded, moving away from my home country and then just coming, being by myself, I think, alone, somewhere else foreign and then trying to understand who I, who am I in this space that kind of ungrounded my whole structures. And it made me um, experience a lot of anxiety and mild depression. So that's when I started looking at yoga and how yoga could help with anxiety and depression. That's when I found um, yin yoga, restorative meditation, basically the subtle energies of yoga practice. And um, this helped me to, well, it made me realize that there's so much more to yoga than I knew, like then just the vinyasa flow. So that's when I started doing my teacher training. My, I, I did my 200 hour teacher training because I wanted to learn more about this ancient wisdom. Mm. 
Yeah, I can't imagine that would probably be so scary moving to a completely new place where you didn't know anyone and you didn't speak the language. Yeah. Well, I knew my husband. That's why I moved. But besides him and his family, it was a completely new space. You know, my family wasn't here and they still don't live here. I'm still by myself. Um, finding new friends, uh, learning a completely new culture, trying to express yourself in a different language. Yeah, it was a lot of work. And um, I've been here now about five years. Super grateful, super blessed. I love the city because it helped me grow into the spiritual being that I am today. But those challenges, they were my, they were part of my dharma. Mm. Ah, yes. Yeah. They were part and of I my love journey. The- I love that you also mentioned that, you know, you used to do yoga, very much how I used to do yoga, which was like, to lose weight, to like burn calories, to get fit and like look good. And now you found this completely other way of, of living yoga and uh, teaching yoga as well. So can you talk a little bit more about, you know, the yin yoga aspect of yoga? What is yin yoga? I personally really love it. But for those who might not know much about the different forms of yoga, what is yin or restorative yoga and sort of how did it specifically help you with what you were going through with your health? Okay. Love that question. I love that you love yin because I love yin. <laughs> um, so yin yoga is what I see as a very reflective style of yoga asana. So yoga posture. Um, when you enter a yin class, what you can expect is, number one, a lot of silence. During the class, the teacher doesn't really speak a lot, um, maybe just guiding you through the poses, guiding you through the breathing. But beyond that, it is a very personal um, style of yoga practice where you are just with yourself and with your body. So with a yin yoga, one of the things that you would experience in a class would be going into a pose where you find your appropriate, appropriate edge. So you find um, what is your limit. So not going beyond where it actually feels pain and not going too deep where you actually feel nothing. So you have to find that depth in that pose for yourself and everybody is different. So when you enter a class, you know, you go into a pose, they say, okay, let's come into a butterfly forward fold. So this is when your feet are together, you're sitting upright, your feet together, your knees are wide open. And a lot of people would tend to gravitate it towards pulling the feet towards their groin. And, and you know, that's their yin pose. And my question would be, if I see that in the class, I would ask, do you feel that you are at a level five in this pose? You know, on a scale of zero to 10, zero being you don't feel any sensations and 10, um, you feel, you know, sharp pain, maybe numbing, maybe tingling, anything that's just out of the ordinary where your brain's like starts to fire up and say, oh, oh, that's not good. So I would ask that, that, pers- that person and that question, is this a level five for you or is level six? And if, you know, usually it tends to be a level eight or a level nine. And I say, can you back out of the pose? Because the aim is that we find that edge of our five or our level six and stay there. We will stay in that pose for two to three minutes or maybe even four minutes, maybe five minutes. And for some people, when you're at level nine and you stay there for three minutes, four minutes, there's nowhere else you can go because then you hit your limit and then you feel pain and you don't actually enjoy the practice of yoga or of yin yoga. Um, so that being said, like you, you be in a pose for a couple of minutes and then you stay there with your breath and that's the practice of yin. Practice of restorative yoga is very similar to yin. I think a lot of people tend to mix this up. For me, the practice of restorative yoga is not feeling anything. <laughs> 
So on a scale of zero to 10, you just literally feel like zero, one or two, like that's where you want to be at because the whole point of it is restorative. You feel um, yourself coming back into being okay with your body. And, and restorative yoga was something I really practiced a lot when I was going through a, fra- a phase where I had a lot of um, joint problems. So I, I, I suffered a lot of stiffness. So I didn't, I couldn't do anything. I couldn't do, you know, downward facing dog. I couldn't do stretches. So for me, restorative yoga is literally lying there and allow yourself to be with the body. And big difference with yin and restorative is that restorative, you are using all the props. So you have bolsters, you have blankets, you have pillows, you have eye, you know, eye cushions. Um, maybe the teacher might invite in the use of essential oils just simply for you to really get into a state of relaxation and bliss so that you can restore your body back to health. So that's a big difference. And the great thing about these two practices is it can be used for healing because it's a very embodied practice. You are with your body. There is nowhere else you can be. You know, with a vinyasa flow class, I find that a lot of students, including myself, when you're in a flow class, you tend to really move quickly and you don't really, you're not truly present with the breath. And sometimes you look at other people and you compare yourself. You're like, oh my yeah. gosh, that person can do a split. Why can't I do a split? You know, oh my gosh, like I'm not doing a, I'm not doing enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy enough whatsoever. All this word, all these phrases that come into our mind. And in a yin class, you don't see that because your eyes are closed. <laughs> you, you know, you're, you're just within yourself. You're in your own practice. You're in your own body. You're with your breath and this embodied experience can be very healing for a lot of people, especially if you had such a disconnection from your body for a long time, like me, for example. Mm -hmm. And I I love that you hit on what happens with like me, because when I would take, you know, the, the standard yoga, I'll call it, you know, in America, it's only been recently where I even saw people start calling yoga different names, right? Like at the gym that I would go to, it's not a yoga studio. So they'd be like, we're doing yoga. And what that meant was like sun salutations, warrior one, like all the flows. And I'd get in there, exactly, 100%, crow, all that hard shit. And I'd get in there and I'd be like, judging myself against other people, just like you mentioned. And years of doing that, like going to maybe one yoga class every once in a while, really made me not like yoga. I interviewed somebody earlier this season on the podcast who's also a yoga teacher. And I told her straight up, like, I don't like yoga. But what happened during the pandemic is I found restorative yoga. So I told you I like yin. I do like yin. But as you're telling me the difference, girl, it's restorative. I don't want to feel anything. I want to be in there with like the essential oils with my face mask on and just like basically corpse pose is my favorite Mm -hmm. pose. (laughs) Yeah. And I think really what happened is that shift from like you mentioned, like being out of my body, because I feel like I'm out of my body so much to finding a way to be sort of moving at times um, with yin or completely resting with restorative in order to get back into the body. And the practice of that, which to me became very healing, especially during the pandemic. Did you see yourself you know, get even more into this or have clients get more into specifically restorative and yin when all the stress of the pandemic hit? Um, a lot of my clients are based in Singapore. And in Singapore, we generally have a very fast-based society. 
people are constantly on the go. You're constantly hustling. You know, you, you're constantly thinking about money, how to make money, how to make money for retirement, how to do this, how to do that. It's constantly on the go. I think in general, the pandemic didn't hit us as hard in Singapore as it did in other places. But when I introduced yin yoga and restorative yoga to my clients, they loved it. They, first of all, never knew that there was this kind of yoga. They always thought, oh, that's so boring. It's stretching. Um, it's not going to do much. But people really underestimate the power of being with yourself, like to be there, to, to make a meeting with yourself, to just be in that present moment with nothing else but just you, your thoughts, and the ability to observe your thoughts. That's simply what meditation is. Meditation is the sitting in silence so you can observe and be a witness to your experience. So the pandemic was painful for a lot of people, um, but I personally cannot say if it affected them in a way where they felt like they had to do yin, yin yoga and restorative, but when I offered, offered it, um, yeah, people were so happy. People loved it. They didn't know that this kind of yoga existed. They thought yoga was the, you know, comparison yoga, looking in the mirror and being like, okay, I can do the sits now. I can do what have you. Yeah. And I think maybe another reason why I felt like maybe I saw more people moving towards yen and myself doing it more often is because it's easier to do those classes, in my opinion, online. You know, yeah. if you're going into a class where you have a bunch of poses and you need a, a teacher to maybe, you know, check your alignment and, you know, put your hands on you to make sure that you're, you know, doing what you're doing, doing what you're supposed to be doing without hurting yourself. In comparison to that, like with yin or with restorative, you kind of can see the person on the screen, like let's say you're doing a Zoom class um, and it doesn't necessarily need to be as much like hands on, which is obviously something that was impossible during lockdown. You are so right about that. Like, that's a huge difference in how yoga, yin yoga is practiced. You know, for me, when I, I do a lot of online classes with my clients, and it's so, because we're staying in the pose for two to three minutes, three to four minutes, four to five minutes, it depends on the pose. And you can see on their faces um, whether that pose is uncomfortable or they are uncomfortable. And it's, it's, you're staying there, you're marinating in the pose. So I can see after a minute or so, I'm like, okay, you're fidgeting. Why are you fidgeting? Let's have that conversation. And, you know, maybe they're explaining, okay, I feel something in my knee. I don't feel comfortable. And that's when I'm like, okay, let's adjust it for the next minute. Let's see if you do, you shift your foot this way. Does that work? And they're like, yeah, that works. And then, you know, they continue to close their eyes and lie down and just be in that, in that moment, in that practice. So it's much harder to do that in a fast case class because everything is fast you don't really see as a teacher if you have 20 students in front of you you cannot look at everyone but when you're in a yin class with 20 people you can actually do that because you stay in a pose for a longer period of time and you can also see when someone isn't doing enough like you're like okay for some people they want to be in a restorative class in a yin class they want to do the restorative yoga in a yin class and you can see that. And sometimes, and that's okay, but it's about asking the student, hey, is this, is this where you want to feel? Or do you think you can challenge yourself today? Because yin yoga is actually challenging. It's targeting the deepest muscles in your body, like the fascia, your connective tissue, your ligaments. Um, and it's helping, it's targeting those areas, right? And you need to challenge those areas so that you can maybe gain more mobility, more fluidity in these areas, as well as flexibility. It's not just 
you know, just resting on the bolster and kind of relaxing down, even though that's great. I love to do that a lot every day, actually. <laughs> and so you mentioned earlier that your practice with yin yoga really helped you and your autoimmune illness and, you know, about how yin yoga and restorative yoga can help with healing. So can you go a little bit more into that? Maybe explain how those things were healing for you? Yeah, definitely. Um, so for me, the practice of yin is to be in the body. That's how I teach it as a teacher. And that's how I found the value of yin yoga for me. It was to connect with parts of myself that I didn't find a connection with. You know, the first time I was in a yin class, I was like, what, what am I supposed to feel where? I, I don't feel that sensation. I don't feel it. And I couldn't even feel my breath, for example. Like, I don't feel my breath entering my nose. I cannot feel the warmth of the air, you know, as it exits my nostrils on the top of my lip. Like, I couldn't feel those small sensations in my body because I was just unaware of it for the longest period of time. So when I'm in a yin class, when I'm doing yin for myself, yin helped me to truly be aware of all the small things happening in my body. So it was realizing that my lower back would move you know left to right as i would inhale i would feel that stretching on the skin of my lower back and i'm like okay i'm connecting with my lower back now and if you want to talk about the chakras the you know that area would be where the sacral chakra is and then when i exhale i can feel okay the parts of my ribs the sides of my ribs they're decompressing back towards my spine i can feel that or I can feel my toes in this pose. Like I, you know, usually we don't think so much about, you know, where our toes are in space. But for me, it was really that practice of like, okay, I can feel my baby toe. I can feel my second toe. Okay. And going down, going down to all parts of my body. And then also the important part of yin is the practice of the breath. The breath being a tool to get us into the parasympathetic nervous system, which is your rest and digest part of the nervous system. And for most of my life, I do believe that I was in the other side. So I was in the fight or flight, constantly on edge. And I believe that's also one of the reasons why I have all these autoimmune illnesses. It's just being on edge, being stressed, being constantly under pressure by myself and by the external world around me. But that caused so much tension in my body. And I didn't realize I was carrying all that, all that tension. So to be in a yoga class for me was to really notice, oh my gosh, I'm tensing up in my stomach in this pose. Why am I doing that? Oh, I'm tensing up my glutes. Is that a reaction that I have when I'm facing something new, especially when I'm in a pose that's challenging? I'm like, oh, I'm tensing up. Oh, okay. Is this a instinctual reaction to pain, to fear? Am I always doing that? So it really, you know, got me to see what was happening in my body and how I use my breath as well. Like, would I stop breathing if it was scary? Would I stop breathing if my if I felt like the pose was too much for me? So it was a really deep practice of being embodied in myself, in my experience, in my body, in my breath. And, um, you know, you don't don't just achieve that with yin yoga. You can do that with restorative yoga. But obviously with yin, you feel more. So when you feel more, you can release more. Hmm. Yeah, I love that you mentioned all of the different ways you were able to notice the little tiny, little tiny subtleties that you were experiencing in your body. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on, you know, embodiment like this practice, maybe when you don't feel very confident in your body, maybe if you're coming from a place of disordered eating or low body image, um, 
especially if you have been comparing yourself to other people, maybe you're seeing in a different type of class or just people online and social media and, and in general? You know, number one, like like you said earlier, right? Gene is such a great practice for doing it online. And I think it's such a blessing that we have YouTube available for all of us to watch. You know, you don't have to be around people, but yet you're you're experiencing the benefits of a practice, of a yoga practice. So for people who are, you know, don't want to socialize, they don't feel good, I recommend, you know, just going online, check out YouTube. There's so many videos there. You can, number one, just do it in your in the comfort of your own home. Like, do it where you feel safe. Mm-hmm. If a yoga studio doesn't make you feel safe, that is okay. Then do it in your bed. Do it in your room. Do it with your friend. Like, just do what makes you feel good. Um, what helped me a lot as well, like this was before I was a yoga teacher, I would go online and I'd be, I would, you know, go on YouTube and, you know, found, like, try to find something like yoga for sadness, <laughs> yoga mm-hmm. for when I'm upset or something like that. You know, and then I would find all these videos and where the intention of that of that class would be, you know, feel into that sadness, feel yeah. into why you don't feel good today. And I think that's so important because you need to feel to release. You need to know what you what you need to know that you're upset before you can actually go through the motions of being upset and then allowing that sadness to leave you. So that's my recommendation is just, you know, find anything online. You can f- go on YouTube for free and just find a video um helping you with uh this problems that, that you might be facing and when you know when you talk about very specific stuff like chakra so for some people they might feel ungrounded in life and so they would relate this to the root chakra for example you know chakras are so popular nowadays you can read them everywhere you can find so many things about them so maybe someone can look up you know yoga for the root chakra and then you can find um something relating like a a practice relating to the area of yourself that energy center of your body and then also affirmations that can help with that like i feel grounded you know i am grounded in my being i am safe to be in this world so repeating those affirmations that relate to your issue can help so much Mm -hmm. i love that yeah because that's definitely what i do too if i'm having like a stressed moment or something i love checking out a youtube video for whatever uh whatever little thing this going on with me mentally. Also, if I'm feeling, you know, tight in my hips, I'll look up something specifically for that. So those were all excellent suggestions for people. When it does come to, you know, changing your mindset with like meditation and yoga, how has it changed? uh, How has your yoga practice changed, you know, your mindset, your practices of mindfulness or meditation? It definitely, you know, started for me when I went through this um, the situations of being filled with anxiety, feel, feeling like I wasn't worthy of living. That's that's how I felt when I um, discovered all these autoimmune illnesses. You know, I was like, I'm so unwell. Why do I? Why am I living? Like I don't deserve to live. So that's when I noticed like this really disturbing quality about myself, like where the mind would go to, and you know that's how I found you know yoga on YouTube, figuring out how to deal with anxiety doing classes relating to yoga with anxiety. And that's how I discovered yin yoga, right? So yin yoga, as I mentioned before, is the practice of being still. It's the practice of being in that very moment. And it is only in that very moment when you are still that you can, you know, have a chat with yourself. You know, what is going on? 
why am I feeling this way? Why do I tense up? Why am I breathing this way? What is going on? And the practice of yin yoga actually kind of paved the way towards the practice of mindfulness and meditation for me. I have to say that because meditation and mindfulness is a very challenging habit to, to grow. A lot of people cannot be still. And sometimes we need to realize the, we need to, to create a first step that is easy for us, that is accessible to us to begin with. So that for me was yin yoga. And I recommend if you don't have a meditation practice, 100%, start with yin yoga, start with something that allows you to be in your body. And when we think about yoga, right, a lot of people think of yoga asana. That's what we talked about earlier. This, this powerful practice of moving the body, going into all these intense poses. But yoga actually comes from the Sanskrit word to yoke, to unite, to join. And the ultimate aim of yoga, if you go through this ancient wisdom teachings of yoga, the ultimate aim of yoga is for us to find moksha, to find liberation, liberation from suffering. And for me, you cannot be liberated if you don't know what you're suffering from. What are you suffering from? So it's that stillness, it's that finding that stillness to understand what, where your suffering is coming from, what are you suffering from, how can you move through that suffering to find that liberation. Um, so yeah, it's so intertwined. You know, yoga to me is not no more, no longer this um, physical practice. Yoga to me is just that connection with me, myself, with myself, my breath, with me and God or consciousness or source. You know, it's it's just a an, an alignment with all that is around me. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. beautiful. That was so beautiful. And I love that you mentioned that Yen helped you with your meditation and mindfulness practice. When I first started learning to meditate, I downloaded an app after I had like read a book. I did it very mentally, right? Like I'm like, first read book, second download app, third do practice. Like very, yeah. very, you know, I'm always in my masculine, I say. So I very like checklist oriented. But then after a couple of weeks or months doing that, I started getting really burned out and felt very felt like it was much more difficult to to stay in that place in meditation where you just let the thoughts go past. Like I would find myself fixating and then not being able to release. And then of course that kind of led to me letting my meditation practice go. But then I heard something from Sahara Rose where she was talking about the fact that your meditation practice can be anything, kind of like what you just mentioned. Hers I think is dancing. Mm -hmm. So it can be like dancing, walking in nature. I really have been taking up painting lately. So painting and what you're saying with yin yoga, like anything that gets you into your body. What are some of the other, you know, teachings of yoga that you, you can kind of take into your life and, and live off the mat like that? I love that you brought up, uh, you know, medication being anything, anything where you are involved in that present moment, right? And when we talk about meditation, meditation is more, it's on a very scientific level, it's just the changing of your brain waves. And this changing of your brain waves can happen anywhere. You can be in the middle of the most intense argument of your life and you just stop and take a breath and center to your heart space, you know, and ask yourself, you know, where am I right now? Can I feel the ground underneath me? Can I feel my hands beside me? Can I feel that connection with the divine around me? And just centering and taking a pause there that you can find meditation for that maybe two or three seconds. You know, people have this very huge idea that meditation has to be like a 30 minutes journey and a one hour, two hours. I need to sit down for 
five, ten hours. And it's not, you know, it is. We need to start small. We need to start where we can. And that's why I mentioned earlier, we, we start with yin yoga if you want to go into meditation because yin yoga allows us to stop and take a pause, find that sacred pause in our life. So, you know, wanting to start with meditation, starting it small, like taking five minutes or just two minutes if you can't do five, you know, try two minutes of sitting in silence, put on a timer and just try to observe your breathing. Maybe that's how you start first. Mm. So seeing where you can incorporate just your breath wherever you go. I remember there was one day I was stressing out about being late and I was like rushing, like, oh my gosh, I need to make it on time. I need to make it on time. And then I was like, oh, wait a minute. I have, I'm not connecting with my breath. So I looked down at my feet and I take a deep breath and I just let it out. And it truly felt like time just stopped. It's mm -hmm. like this stress, this feeling of anxiety, this feeling of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late. Like it just disappeared. And I was like, wow. In that very moment, I really felt like time just slowed down for me. And it was all because I took a breath mm -hmm. while I was panicking about being late. So that's one thing where, where you know, the practice of yoga can be any, anything, anything that you want to be. Um, I also love, uh, it's not truly a traditional way of practicing yoga, but it's definitely the idea of using affirmations. You can use affirmations in your meditation. You know, you can just sit down and, you know, repeat a meditate, like a repeat a, a meditation, oh, sorry, repeat an affirmation as though it's a mantra for yourself, yeah. you know? So saying like, I am okay to be here today. And just repeating that for three, four, five minutes, and then maybe seeing where your mind goes off to when you're trying to do this. And maybe wherever your mind is going to, it's trying to show you, hey, I want some attention today. And that's okay, because then that's meditation. It's like, okay, what is causing me suffering? That, that thought, that thing that came up while you were meditating, that thing needs your attention. Why? You know, and then diving deeper and then understanding yourself and trying to figure out who am I? Why do I have these thoughts? Are these thoughts relevant to me or is it not my thoughts? Hmm. Yeah. And, and so for folks who maybe haven't ever taken a yen class and are kind of just overwhelmed or a little freaked out or scared. Can you kind of take us through as a teacher, um, just briefly, like some of the things they might experience if they were to go to a studio or if they were to, you know, log onto a Zoom class, like how long would this practice be? How long should it be to be beneficial? And like, is it just stretching or, or what? And also, I'd love if you could talk about like people who maybe have disabilities, could they still do yin yoga too? Yeah, um, very, very great questions. Um, I do feel like a lot of people are nervous about going to a yin class just because they're like, what, what is yin? You know, they, they only know it from yin yang. So yin is like uh, I, something light, something easy, water, you know, all this kind of qualities that would be associated with yin. I like to think of a yin class as a surrender class. So you're surrendering into that present moment. You're being still, being silent. And usually a class would be if it's an online class, like a live class on Zoom, I would say an hour to 75 minutes, 90 minutes if you are pretty advanced in a yin practice. So a typical class would be 60 minutes and maybe we would start with a grounding meditation. So just settling into the body, um, noticing where your body is at, where your breath is at in that moment. Maybe sometimes we are always thinking about something else like, oh, I forgot to put, you know, something in the car or I didn't do the laundry. I need to do this. So the mind is traveling, you know, forward into the future and backward into the past. So try to center into that present moment. So usually classes will begin this way. And then 
it would begin like for my classes i like to start with the centering meditation and then work through a pose so what i mean by that like my in my class there might be a peak pose so a peak pose would be a very a, a challenging pose that requires a lot of flexibility in the body and i would look at poses before that that would lead up to this pose so one pose that is very challenging for a lot of people is called saddle in in yoga um, by the way, yin yoga and yang yoga, we have similar poses, but we have different names for it just so that it distinguishes the qualities of yin. So the surrendering into that moment and not going to the level 10 in that pose. So a saddle pose would be you are sitting on your knees and on your heels. And then you would lean your hand back and then you would start to lie your entire upper body down on the ground. So it's a very deep pose for a lot of people because it requires flexibility in the chest, it requires flexibility in your hamstrings, it requires flexibility in your hip flexors, it requires strength in your lower back, and it requires the mental strength to tell yourself that wherever you go in the pose, it's okay. Because a lot of us would challenge ourselves to get so deep into the pose and then we get scared, we get that fear coming through. So. If that is my peak pose for that class, every pose that I would do before that would be perhaps targeting the hip flexors, targeting the lower spine, opening up the chest, trying to get people, first of all, to get into the breath as well. So teaching them how to breathe, inhale for four counts, take a pause, exhale for four counts, take a pause. And a lot of people actually don't know how to breathe properly. This right. is also another thing that I've seen in yoga classes where um, they breathe a lot through their chest and rather rather than breathing through their belly so the, the breath is not so deep and this is it's a shame because our lungs are so powerful and if we unfold our lungs it's as big as half a tennis court so it's wow. pretty yeah it's huge and we don't utilize the, the power of our breath if we are just breathing through, through the chest so we need to breathe it down towards the belly so sometimes i educate people on that you know I tell them hold the sides of your waist and then try to feel your waist like extending left to right and then try to feel it expanding front and back so that we're not just trying to breathe upward towards the chest so that's something that you might experience in a yin class where the teacher really goes into feeling the breath in the body and also how to breathe anatomically what's the best way to breathe and then all the poses leading up towards the peak pose and every pose would be about like I said three minutes four minutes five minutes also dependent on how advanced the practitioner is. A lot of people might be in, you know, a level one in the class or level two, and then sometimes level three would be the advanced level. And then class would end in Shavasana, everyone's favorite pose. Also the best pose because it's literally being in, in stillness. You're literally just there to embody all that experience that you've been through, the effects of breathing slow and deep and feeling your parasympathetic nervous system, you know, kicking in feeling your body, the effects of the energy moving through the body. And one thing about yin yoga as well, it's uh, a big difference between yin yoga and stretching is the use of meridians in yin yoga. So the origins of yin yoga is connected to traditional Chinese medicine. And it is said that we have 12 of these channels in our body, so 12 meridians. And meridians are something like, um, like nadis in yogic tradition nadis nadis are like just channels basically areas where energy can flow through and this energy is considered to be um well you call this energy chi sorry i just messed it up so it's chi or prana in yoga or we call it also life force 
So the meridians are, um, we, we don't want the meridians to be blocked because then energy cannot, cannot flow through. And these meridians can be blocked by external factors. For example, there's too much wind, you've mm -hmm. consumed too much wind or you consumed food that was not good for you. Or it could just be internal blockage, like emotional baggage, trauma, any kind of thing. So when you're in the yin class, you might also hear the teacher talking about this, about the meridians. Okay, when we're in this pose, we're targeting the liver meridian or we're targeting the gallbladder meridian and therefore we're going to release XYZ. So this is something that we can expect in a yin class, which is, you know, something you would never hear about in a in stretching. Right. This will not be touched upon because it's it's it is it is what makes yin yoga so different from stretching. Yeah. Wow. And I I love that you explained all those different things too that you might hear because I've been in a couple yin classes and haven't yet heard about the meridians, but I do love that this kind of was born out of um Chinese medicine. So we know that like asana yoga was, you know, from, from India and Indian practices. Um, and so you're saying that yin kind of came from more of like China. Is that right? So the, the history of yin yoga, it's kind of like, not sure. We, we don't really know. But what I've learned is there was this guy called Paul Grilly. Paul Grilly is, Paul Grilly is considered the father of yin yoga. And he, um, discovered yin yoga because he went to this Japanese guy's studio. Well, it wasn't really a studio, it was a class, and he was learning a lot of martial arts. He was learning a lot of the Chinese martial arts and learning about, okay, holding your breath, staying in a pose, staying there, and all the, all the, um, not the qualities, but like this, it, the foundations of yin yoga came from what he learned in those classes. And then he made it into this class, this practice called yin yoga. Him and um, another la lady called Sarah Powers, I think that's her name. So the two of them came together and then they, you know, created this complete branch of yoga called yin yoga. Very yeah. cool. And that's how, it, that's how it has all this, um, you know, when we talk about meridians, you don't hear that anywhere else except just in a yin class. So it's not as old as, you know, the asana yoga. I don't believe so. No. Right. It's not old. So how do you think the world, the collective would change if more people did yin yoga? Ooh, <laughs> I think everyone should do yin yoga. Um, if everyone in this world would do yin yoga, maybe we would have more people understanding where their pain is coming from. And I don't mean this like, a, you know, my knee pain um, or my toe is hurting, but I mean this deep pain that causes suffering in all of us. This idea of like why we practice yoga is to free ourselves from suffering. So this very philosophical idea of suffering. If you're in your body, then you might notice things about yourself that you generally wouldn't do if you were just constantly moving around. If you're constantly go, 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 and never take a time to stop and take a pause for yourself, you may never truly under, understand yourself on a very deep level. That's my way of seeing this practice. Um, I have a lot of people in my life who cannot sit still. And when I offer them the practice of yin yoga, they get bored. They're like, I hate this, you know, I don't like this, I don't like sitting still. And I'm like, why? Because, and, and their response is always, they don't like to be in this present moment. Because they don't want to stay here. 
And that to me is very interesting. It's like, why would someone not want to be in this moment when it's the only truest moment that exists? There is no past. The past is a memory. There's no future because the future are just dreams. The true moment is right here, right now. So why would you want to escape it? So that to me is that very, like that million dollar question, right? Why do you not want to be here? And that's why you should practice yin yoga, you know, to understand yourself. So understanding, you know, why, what is causing them to reject this moment? Is it fear of looking within? Is it um, some kind of pain that they've been choosing to avoid? We never know, but that to me is very important. And another thing that you mentioned earlier, uh, I totally forgot to, to answer it. You asked about people with disability um, practicing yin yoga. I think this is very important. Um, it's such an important topic to allow yin yoga and all kinds of yoga to be accessible to everyone. Um, I'm not specialized in teaching people with um, disabilities, but I do believe that yin is a practice that you can do anywhere you know we have nowadays what's called chair yoga so you're doing yoga on a chair which means that you can do it as well if you're in a wheelchair so obviously some poses would be a bit harder if you're on a wheelchair you cannot you know kind of um, do a back bend and stay there for a long time because gravity is going to work against you what we what we do with yin yoga is we work with gravity so we get into a lot of um challenging poses but what's one thing that you can do is, you know, forward folds and really finding that length in the back of the body and trying to open up the spine, trying to open up the lower back. can do it in bed. Like doing yin yoga in bed is my favorite thing to do. I do it. I try to do it every night, especially before I go to sleep, just to, to put an end to my day. And I think if you're, you know, bedridden and it, if you can't move, then obviously that's difficult. But if like if you're having issues to move your body, then maybe doing it in bed could help, where you can get someone to maybe adjust you into a specific position and then staying there for three to five minutes and then moving again. So that that was what happened with me. When I had my autoimmune like chronic flare up, I couldn't move for weeks. And that's how I also discovered yin yoga because I couldn't do, you know, downward facing dog. My, my fingers were just swollen and my joints were just stiff. So I needed something that allowed me to be still and to move with little, with to move with little movement as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also just with breathing too, I think could probably be very helpful no matter who you are or, you know, what's going on. Definitely. hundred percent, hundred percent. I think everyone should, you know, try to be in their bodies and try to be with their breath as much as they can. Yeah. So how can people connect with you, learn from you, um, study with you? Thank you for asking that. Um, so I have a website, it's called Luminous Yoga Life, and it's also my Instagram handle, Luminous Yoga Life. Um, I love, love, love connecting with people all around the world, especially you know, now in a pandemic, like everyone, a lot of us are like kind of stuck indoors, so people have more time to um, explore friendships in different forms, like explore, you know, long distance friendship, writing letters to each other, writing emails or, you know, all that kind of stuff. I love that. So I really... Hope some of you would reach out to me. I want to get to know you. If you have any questions about yin yoga, I'd love to answer that. Um, yeah. Well, Munira, thank you so much for, for spending some time with me. Is there anything else that you would like to add that I didn't ask you about? Just think of meditation as a meeting with yourself, as a meeting with your higher self. So this person that you can seek guidance from. 
So it doesn't have to be something super stressful. It's not like, oh my gosh, I have an hour meeting with this person. No, it's, it's five minutes with the wiser you so that you can ask questions and hopefully receive answers. Like if, if anyone's having trouble with meditation, I think that's the best way to look at it. You know, it's a meeting with yourself. That's all it is. Mm, I love that. Well, thank you so much. This was, this was magical. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for inviting me. I'm so grateful for you. Well, I hope you got so much out of that conversation with Munira. She is just such a beautiful soul, and I'm so glad to have met her and to have been able to have this conversation. Like she mentioned, you can follow her on Instagram at Luminous Yoga Life. You can also check out her website, LuminousYogaLife.com. I will put links to those in the show notes below. She's also offering a free online Zoom class for the community. It happens on Fridays, but I will tell you, since she in Germany. The time is a little strange. So if you're interested in taking that, just make sure you check out her website so that you can figure out what time it is, no matter where you live. She's also created a special discount code for all of the Light Within podcast listeners. It is LIGHT10, L-I-G-H-T, and then the number 10 for 10% off of her classes and courses. I really thank her for that, and I'm sure you guys are going to take advantage and just love working with her. You can connect with me on Instagram at Leslie Draffin and at the Light Within Podcast. If there's someone you'd love to hear on the show or if you have a question, shoot me an email at thelightwithinpodcast at gmail.com. The best way for you to continue supporting this podcast is to rate it, review it, and share it with someone you love. Remember, there's no light without darkness, but there's no darkness without light. I'll see you next time.